Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Hi, this is Jeff Parlin, and this is 365 Days of Sport. 365 Days of Sport. Yes, good evening and welcome to yet another edition of 365 Days of Sport. It's the greatest sports radio show on the planet. Yes, you heard that right. We're going to be talking sports, quite possibly. Episode number 153 and with me, not in the studio, but next door, because we're in lockdown at Sudden FM. We are segregated by a window. Mm-hmm. How are you going with your finding sports, Beefy? Yeah, it's getting tough. Why don't you just ask me, because I've got horse races. Okay. Or you could just make my life a sport. You could commentate me on my day-to-day week. Okay, nice. Just follow me around. I'd like to do um, that. I've spent a lot of time sitting on a chair. Are you uh, are you housebound at the minute? Am I housebound? Yeah. No, I'm still going to work. You're allowed into work. Okay. Yeah, because I've cut staff to like one quarter of, not not like let them go. Right. People at home once, so yeah. if I'd, I'm one of the ones that um, was, uh, was just going in. Right, talking about. You gotta get out of the house, beefy. Oh, well, everyone's going mental. No, you get looked upon. It's like you're a fugitive or a bloody yeah, yeah, yeah. infidel if you're outside nowadays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the thing that's odd though is that so so my girlfriend is housebound, and I I'm much better at being housebound than she is. Oh, I'm pretty good. She's she, oh, I'm very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can very happily just stay at home and uh, just well, obviously work work and work really hard. I'm right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always got things to do. If there's a guitar lying around, there's oh, nice. new movies. Um, well, you've seen uh, have you seen sports bet? They've resorted to their betting at the minute is down to the weather. They've got that going. Haven't They've they? got the weather. So if you want the odds, this is uh, Wednesday, first of April. The odds on uh, Adelaide's weather. At one thirty p.m. tomorrow, right? Yep. You can get a dollar eighty-five on over twenty-three point nine degrees. Okay. Or a dollar eighty-five on under. What's the predictions on the? Uh, new- I haven't got that far. I haven't got the right. form. Adelaide's form. Well, this who's week. who's the official weather guide though? Well, I, mean, I would have thought that the old uh, the old bomb would be the uh, way to go mm-hmm. on the. Uh, do you know? I should do the. Uh, could do surely the- they've got you can punt on married at first sight and you, and all the usual but, things. But and, the thing um, is with that survivor, they, they're filmed three weeks ago, so there's inside knowledge. I reckon. Well, they they did. Yeah, they can. They, well, of course, they had the election. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget the uh, the Trumpy got in Trump mm. v Hillary because yeah. I I was not I just happened to jump on um, and have a quick look and see how things were progressing and I saw that uh, Hillary got out to five to one and oh. Trump Trumpy was the favourite I was going well this is a mistake oh this is obviously a, a, an error yeah. and I put a quick um, ten bucks on Hillary I think oh it was ten dollars well spent ten dollars down the drain yeah Adelaide if you want to know the uh, stats for tomorrow if you want to put a bet on uh, the daily forecast for tomorrow is. 24 mm-hmm. so it's right on the money that 23.9 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um the other odds uh head to head so it's a dollar 85 all the way through. i'd be going overs all the way oh would you it um, always, it's generally it always goes over brisbane tomorrow uh, the odds are uh the uh temperature 28.3 is the sports bet line that's pretty warm i could do a sting here do you want a sting can you, can you multi this southern fm weather <laughs> Southern can, FM, can you can you multi it? The uh, oh, of course, why yeah. why wouldn't you? Canberra twenty three point five is the line. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Darwin thirty three point five. Thirty three. Oh, that seems pretty hot. Uh, yeah, I'd go overs Darwin and Adelaide into unders for Brisbane. Oh, look at you! Yeah. So you'll be all over this, and because it's specific times. Write, write that down. I want to see how it goes. 
All right, sorry, I've got to write stuff down. <laughs> well, now. you I don't get to write it down right now. Yeah, yeah. It's on record. You can yeah. listen back when you I do will. the edit. Hobart, 20.4 overs or unders. Very cool. So that must be a really active market for mm-hmm. sports bet, daily betting, mm-hmm. on the weather. Well, there's greyhounds. There's still greyhounds on horses. In fact, the Doncaster and the TJ Smith, I think, are this weekend. Uh, are they? Yeah. Uh, that's Ranwick. Right. The TJ Smith is a big race, Beefy. Good on It's basically the spring, it's the spring version of the Everest. Is it? Yeah. Great. So it'll have um, last year's Santa Ana Lane. That's one that Chautauqua had his three in a row famous victories. Oh. Chautauqua coming from last, the big grey beast. Big grey beast. Chautauqua, boom, right over the top. You don't remember? Not really. I remember when it couldn't get out the gate. Why do you just have to bring <laughs> it down? I'm just thinking about that. That's it. Unbelievable. How is the racing without any crowds? It's probably no different. I said it's just like watching a pack on Wednesday night, Wednesday Arvo. Still. Mm. But they still have Bruce McAvaney and all the presenters in that. Going there. off. Just going, just going off. Trying, full, trying to fill space. A full space. crew of, including uh, well, fashions I, on the field with Rebecca Judd giving I, it, oh, look at this. I'm not candle. sure. i tell you what I'm not sure about is if the announcer's commentary is going over the course as well as the t- television. That's a great question. Yeah. We should ring Bruce and find out. Do you reckon the jockeys ever listen to what the commentator's saying so they can see where the field's at? Um, I have heard that they do look at the big screen every now and then when there is a, a screen yeah. available so yeah. they can kind of see so they don't have to look round. Okay. Um, but apart from that, I doubt they hear much, really, especially commentary. Sure. You should have seen very elegant when the, uh, was it the tank rid, I think? On the way, 2,400 metre race, so Rose Hill. Story. Very elegant. He was, uh, it was a commanding victory, I would say. Okay. Yeah, I had, I had a, just, just a little tenor, tenor on a, a seven-leg Hail Mary, <laughs> um, but, and four of them came in. Mm. But um, disappointed I didn't take take that one in, yeah. in there. All yeah, all right. That was the end of it. First two came in, and then four, five, and six did not, and seven and eight did come in. Um, because Sorry, six and seven, Kevin. Obviously, the only uh, the only sport that we kind of know of that was on the weekend was the Belarusian Premier League. That's right. So, have they got zero cases in Belarus, or are they just uh, no? Because the dictator there doesn't care. He just says, he get just, on with it. Yeah, he really just says they're Eastern Europeans; they're immune. So now it's a time where tyrants can thrive. Yeah, non-diplomatic societies just get on with it. So essentially, what he's saying is, when all the old people get infected and start dying, he doesn't matter. If effectively, yes, because he doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to dig the graves, he doesn't have to make the coffins. Well, what he's saying is, uh, he they they're going into um, tract. He called it tractor therapy. So basically, because they work on the land, yep, they're hard, hard as nails. Okay, so coronavirus ain't going to get them. Plus, there are not many tourists in Minsk. Possibly, probably, probably not. We talked about the. Oh, it um, hasn't been top of my list, Beefy, to go check out. Do you wanna, well, I can give you the results uh, from the weekend because uh, sluts. See how can you make fun of my or, or be so intentionally ignorant of my <laughs> horse racing? Yeah, which is just in Ramwick, which is actually good races, good horses, and let, you're, you're talking about this Belarusian the, Premier League that's only going ahead because the society's being ruled by a vicious tyrant. Oh, he's not vicious. And he just, loves his people. No, he's putting them their lives at risk, the entire country's lives at risk, so they can just carry on and go, nah, forget about it. It's Kim Jong-un stuff. Well, I'm not sure he is. Alexander Lukashenko, That's he's the man. He's been in power for a long time. People working in tractors, no one talking yeah, but about But why do you think he's been in power for a long time? Because it's, it's, it's corrupt. Because he's doing a great job, Rob. <laughs> doing a great job I, I'm going to check out the count on Belarus on, on the uh, old uh, what you call it the, the, the worldometer yeah, the worldometer okay. count oh good I like that yeah, um, I'm getting it out right now so Lukashenko's been in power since 1994 he's been dubbed Europe's last dictator what so Lukashenko 
He's been dubbed Europe's last uh, dictator. He's been in power since 1994. That's how good he is, Rob. Anyway, Slutsk, nil, Brest, one. That was the uh, result from the weekend. And in the big Minsk derby, FC Minsk, three, Dinamo Minsk, two. But um, I have to tell you about uh, Isloch Minsk. They beat Smolovici 1-0. And that is very relevant about Worst Song in the World this week. Okay. Well, I'm glad you told me. Um, um, Zodino beat Bel- uh, Belshina 1-0 as well. Wasn't a lot of goals in the old uh, Belarus Premier League on the weekend. Oh, crikey, beefy. Look, with, with, with worldwide cases of coronavirus, 799,998. We're two away from the oh, we'll 800,000 We'll mark. keep our look uh, on the and, next uh, two to go down. I was going to try and find old Belarus, see where they're lining up here, but yeah. carry on in the meantime. Uh, keep reading the results out. FC Minsk are top of the league, but uh, they've only played two games in the old... Uh, Belarus Premier League. I think there was football in Myanmar as well. I'm just checking the results for Myanmar. The uh, their Burma. Formerly known as Burma. Formula. Thanks, Rob. Hanthawadi United four, Zwekapin two, Sagayang three, Chin United my team one, and that was the only games on the weekend in round ten. But I agree, unfortunately. I can't find any Belarus uh, zero. Corona. See zero zero for uh, Corona. So ba- he must have closed the borders. Before it kicked in. Quite possibly. Belarus. There you go. 152 cases. No one dead yet, though. Zero deaths. Yeah. It'll come. It'll come. <laughs> it'll come. Just it's keep playing just... football, boys. Man, the big crowds. Big crowds on the weekend in the old Minsk. Do you see mm. uh, there was a surfer in uh, California, I think. They cleared the beach. I think it was at Huntington Beach. Mm-hmm. They cleared the beach because, obviously, Trumpy's banned. Uh, I, I don't think it's Trump, actually. I think it's the local state government. They've banned surfing. In fact, you're not allowed to go on the beach, hence why you can't surf. Well, that's what they already did in Bondi and all that. Yeah, but there was apparently there was a load of surfers when the lifeguards turned up, then the police came and turfed them all out of the water. Then some mm-hmm. surfer dude turned up and wanted to go surfing, Yeah, and he gave the cops a bit of uh, bit of tongue lashing, mm-hmm. so they fined him, 1000 bucks. Well, you gotta you got to make a stand. Uh, there was this morning, some pubs was, was open. They got 10 grand fine on the spot. Really? Yeah. In Melbourne? I don't know where it was. Well, I, a mate of mine um, actually took a picture on social media, on Facebook, and mm. said, oh, good to see this pub's opened, and he was in there having a jar. What? That was on, I think that was on Saturday lunchtime as well. That's um, very sneaky. They must have said they're open for takeaways, and then they just let him sort of have a quick one. Yeah. But he, I can't imagine they were thrilled he put it on social media. Mm. But that's the risk you run. I'm not going to tell you which pub it was. Uh, <laughs> well, tell me off here. I will, yeah. Uh, it was in your neck of the woods, by the way. Okay, great. So I'm not sure whether they got fined or not. Be but, some uh, hipster. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Might, it might have been just a friendly lock-in. He might have just been delivering cleaning products. So, Beefy, I want you to describe to me now yeah. your step-by-step, day-by-day routine. What time are you rolling out of bed? Oh, whenever. Just One, do- two, three. It, it, no. Before oh, midday. Oh, yeah, always. Yeah. Always. Sort of night, and what do you, what do you have for breakfast? I don't have breakfast. Coffee? No, no. Oh yeah, coffee. Instant coffee. Yeah. Because you don't have, you don't like espresso, do you? You only like instant. Yeah, generally like instant. Yeah. I'm a Robert Tim's man. I'm posh instant. Though. Yeah. And so then from there, how long do you get to the dartboard? Um, I've hurt my shoulder at the minute, so there's not much darts no going darts. on. Yeah, very minimal. No, and I'm with your laptop open. Or two, yeah. two or three laptops yeah. going. And you start planning for the show. Yeah. I start playing for the show on about Thursday. Yeah. 
idly looking through social media looking for stories that might take my interest okay um but i do a bit of editing obviously i've got a yeah. you know scar show to look after yeah. and uh 365 days of yeah sport. but th- 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 my point is that everyone's doing the same thing right now there they are although i think people are really now struggling for things to put on social media yeah it's gone thinning through, out gone through the your, your best cricket 11 or the best uh yeah Richmond since 1980. Yeah, I've seen loads of that. Well, now think, it's going back to the cats and dogs and uh, crap. And is it? Yeah, I see. Uh, Warney named is uh, the best Australia team he played with, and then Borders put out his Ashes. Oh no, he's predicting an Ashes team. But Warney in his best ever Australian eleven. Mm. I can't believe he didn't pick Michael Clark. I think there's an underlying... And he picked Tim May ahead of Stuart McGill. Michael Clark wouldn't make best of Australian I mean, he's got, he's got phenomenal statistics. Has he got 52 average or something? Yeah, something ridiculous, yeah. Yeah. Nobody likes him. He just doesn't realise nobody likes him. But Warney did pick Tim May ahead of Stuart McGill, which is quite funny. Right. So currently averages, so it, it, obviously the Don and then it's Steve um, Smith... And then uh, was it, was well, it Ricky I, Ponting? I think it's actually Adam Voges in averages. Oh, that doesn't count, though. He paid 20 tests and averaged 65 or something? No. Sorry, You've made this point before. No yeah, one no one in the world is going to pick Adam Voges. I think you tried... To, I know what it was. What was this, this came up on social media, and I saw you try to make a case for Adam Voges in the greatest Australian team of all time. Just, and everyone was just going at you. <laughs> and <laughs> you had nothing... Oh, I was just winding people up. Nothing to stand on there with that. No, I think I know what you're talking about. Well, you about. just went by stupid numbers. You know? Yeah. But it was... At the same time, it was in New Zealand, Shane Bond only played 18 tests for New Zealand, but yeah. most people would chuck him in the best New Zealand team. Because I think of the 18 tests that he played, we won 10 of them. Wow. That's yeah. a pretty big stat. Yeah. See, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Moneyball side of things, about mm. people that have good win-loss records. You like the tradesmen, don't you? The mm. old uh, just turn up, gets the job done, the old Gavin Larson types. If you know how to win, Rob, if you know how to win, you know how to win. It's the bottom line. really is. You can't argue with it. That's, that is the bottom line. But you can argue with Adam Voges and the best Australian you know eleven of all time. I actually time. think Voges on that win-loss thing, he probably won 80% of his tests as well, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Not too sure about Adam Voges' record, but that, what you were referring to, was a team team of the decade. And Voges obviously played 20 tests and averaged 65. Right. And well, that you got some case there. It wasn't the all-time best. It was, um, yeah, it was something along those lines, but... Uh, you just like a bit of a chat, don't you? I just like winding the Aussies up at the yeah. minute. Oh, Twitter's going off at the minute with umpiring. Umpiring what? Oh, just in general. Who, who started up talking oh, about umpiring? Well, I'm, I'm just talking about social media and stuff that I've been getting involved with. You talk about things that keeps me busy. Are you on the side of the umpires or are you anti the umpires? Mm, no, I'm just pointing out to a lot of Australians that their umpires were very, very corrupt during the uh, from the beginning of time to like the early 2000s. Well, I think this has been some bad... Uh, is it incompetence or was it bias? I don't know. The the 80s, there's some questionable ones in there. Oh, there's lots of questionable but, ones. Oh, um, no, no. But you think any referee of, that's in a game that Wales plays in, <laughs> if Wales don't win, then the referee is biased. Every single yeah, time. Yeah, it's very true. You just point out where the cheating is. Just point the, out the, the only reason the All Blacks have been here for 70 years running is because we're cheats. Uh, no, 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 that's not the case. There was a couple of times where you were, you were actually better than us. Just a couple of times? <laughs> yes. 
Unbelievable. Uh, we got to talk about our special guest, Rob, as well. Yep. Unbelievably, Jonathan mm. Davis, the greatest all-round rugby player of all time, mm. uh, has agreed to come on and have a chat. Funnily enough, this is one thing I'm going to talk to him about, is because recently they've been ranking their top ten first five eights of all time. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I want to see what his thoughts are. Right. Both included him in in the top 10 i won't tell you what numbers i do refer to him as all round because his rugby union career obviously missed the best years of his career what well, so h- how old was he when he went to the rugby league uh or oh, 23 oh, yeah right and he came back when he was about 33 so he played 10 12 years in rugby league so wales never got the best of him that's well, amazing you, these code switches are just must be a thing of the past now at least they just do it for a laugh well we need to ask jd uh mm-hmm. why we'll find out because it's not i mean forwards i don't think can do it really now from rugby union to league or vice versa to be honest oh uh, backs can always get away with it yeah but backs forwards can, but forwards forwards can play loose forward and yeah stuff i suppose like back that. row forwards could play and what was his 11, name 12. brad thorne he went to lock yeah he did yeah, that's a pretty successful example yeah Andy Farrell tried, you know, wasn't much cop. Um, it hasn't always worked. It was a uh, JK didn't have a great John Kerwin didn't have a great go at rugby league when he went across, no. but that was towards the end. It was, yeah, that was a money, was well, money, well grab, money best. grab for him, wasn't it? Um, Mark Ellis also, he when he went across, he struggled. Yeah, it's gonna. I'm looking forward to a bit of a chat with JD. Okay, it's, good. Uh, have you met him before? Very briefly. I live with a guy in the states that went to school with him. What are the chances of that? Minimal, <laughs> really minimal. So uh, yeah, just bit of fun and games there very good hi i'm ronnie o'sullivan and this is 365 days of sport oh ronnie stopping by stop by for a brief cameo wonder what ronnie's doing now he won't be practicing snooker no he definitely won't he's probably cooking and drinking yeah might be cooking maybe taking up smoking again he's so bored (laughs) yeah going Mm. outside i'm going outside for a smoke uh i did i did find this thing oh go on it was Stuart barnes the oh, former, Stuart Barnes, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And Stephen Jones, who's a journalist. It's Stephen Jones from the Times, yes. And that's, um, they, they rank the top Stuart ten. Stuart Barnes, the Welshman that played for England. Oh, is he? Yeah, born in Newport. Yeah. Right, well, he had a lot of Welshmen's uh, oh, did top he? ten. He yeah, hates yeah. the Welsh. That's uh, he's, uh, he's a bitter man, is Stuart Yeah, Barnes. well, of course, this was, this was, I think, brandished across New Zealand media because they only ranked, he only ranked Daniel Carter at number 10 or something. Oh, really? Yeah, so, so straight away, as soon as New Zealanders see that. Okay. Well, that might be, oh, sorry, no, sorry, Stuart Barnes had him at number one. Oh, I was going to say. But yeah. um, as Stephen Jones had him at number 10. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I'll go over this when we go. So got, is this uh, of, uh, of all time or modern era, basically? This is of all time. Okay. First five eight. So I can go through it now. You want to hear it? Please, Rob. Stuart Barnes, the top ten is this. Number one, Daniel Carter. Number two, Phil Bennett, Wales. Number three, Mark Eller, Australia. Number four, Barry John. Number five, Johnny Wilkinson. Six, Jonathan Davies. Again, so three Welshmen in the top six. Seven, Stephen Larkham. Uh, eight, Michael Liner. Nine, Ron Ronan O'Gara. And ten, Grant Fox. Oh, Grant Fox gets in there. He, he was a phenomenal goal kicker. He was a phenomenal goal but kicker. But he wasn't... And I think people say he was a pretty solid playmaker, but there was a... I remember jokes in the mid-'80s about Grant Fox ran a six steps in a row this <laughs> this particular match. It was a phenomenon. <laughs> yeah. Stephen Jones' top ten is David Watkins at number one. Oh, really? <laughs> he was a great fly-off. Juan Martin Hernandez from Argentina at number two. The points machine. Right. Jonathan Davies at three. Oh, it's... Too low. Jonathan Rutherford from Scotland at four. <laughs> who? John John Rutherford, sorry. I don't remember. I don't John I don't know Rutherford. who that is. That's like uh seventies. Is it? I don't and Scotland were rubbish. <laughs> 
Anyway, carry on. Michael Liner at five. Phil Bennett yeah. from Wales again at six. Uh, Andrew Merton's at seven. Ahead of Carter. Uh, uh, yeah, well ahead of Carter. Wow. Uh, Johnny Wilkinson at eight. Barry John at nine. Yeah. Is that four Welshmen, four Welshmen in his top That's ten? That's just not enough. And and Dan Carter at ten. There's nine better first five eights that have played the game that are better than Daniel Carter. I was going to say, would you rank Mertens ahead of Carter? I don't think any New Zealander would, but no. I, 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 he was, I was a big fan of Andrew Mertens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Grant Fox. <laughs> He's the old traditional, uh, the pivot. You remember when he was called a pivot at what? 10? His style of kicking, you mean? Oh, no, no, no. At 10. Basically, never did anything, just threw the ball out because he was at the pivot. He never ran. Yeah, he didn't, didn't do much of any of that no. at all. He, no. he, would, he, he would did direct play, but... Direct, direct play, but he was... A, was he the first... No, Neil Jenkins was the first for 1,000 points, wasn't he? So, Grant Fox. I mean, phenomenal points record. Mm. But when you put in 145 on Japan, it's not hard to get a few points going, is it? That was... Um, Grant Fox didn't play that game. Oh, no, I'm just Simon saying. Colhane played that game. So did Mark Ellis. Yeah, six tries. He scored six tries, and Simon Simon Cohen kicked forty five points. Forty five points, yeah, doesn't matter. But um, yeah, I, I just think yeah, Carter should be top three or four easily. Yeah. I'm going to be honest and controversial. Hmm. Wilkinson wasn't a great fly off. He started his career as a centre, right? Um, ended up a fly off because England had nobody else. Um, was a was a phenomenal kicker as well. But try record. He wouldn't have scored many tries. I'll have to look that up. No, I, I reckon look, less wasn't than like, 10. I mean, I, I don't know enough really about the intricacies intricacies mm. of the game. I didn't watch him closely in enough yeah. times to see him play. I mean, probably around that time is when I was still just thinking that Northern Hemisphere rugby was boring and Southern Hemisphere rugby was fast <laughs> and exciting. I was that, that was where I was yeah. at that point in um, mm. history. Joe Marlin news, by the way. He's deleted his Twitter account. And considering retiring from rugby altogether, or quitting the game, as they say, because of the huge amount of backlash he had after, uh, you know, juggling uh, Alan Wynne Jones's uh, testicles. Really? Yeah. So he got it's, ten gone, it's gone that far out of gone, control. Gone that far. So, so I didn't. Either, I didn't know the names of any of the players. Oh, I forgot them anyway. So I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. Oh, Joe Marler, the prop. He, he yeah, was yeah. the one that actually did the old. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, was the, the uh, Wang Clang? It's the playful fondle. They've called it a playful fondle. <laughs> So now he's uh, Marler's obviously in lockdown with his family, like everyone else. Mm. But he's seriously kind of playing his future in the game. Uh, he infamously walked away from England last year, only to return from the Rugby World Cup in Japan, playing for some of his best rugby at just twenty nine. Will be a shock move for Marler, who they reckon still got another eight mm. nine years left. So interesting. Well, he shouldn't quit the game. No. As I said, I, I think at the time when we talked about this, I put it in the in the uh, category of he just he, he took a risk, didn't really come off. No, that's right. Um, do you want some news from the Czechoslovakian Table Tennis Star Series Cup, Rob? Because it's going on right well, now. I, I have a feeling you're going to tell me no matter what I say. Well, D. Uh, Reitspies has just beaten J. Vreblik mm. 3-1. He, he won the last two games 11-4. Just oh, they case. only go to 11 in that level. Yeah, well, no, no. Right. The, table Tennis is only to 11 now because they play best of seven instead of like best of three to 21. Right. So you got to win five, uh, four games, I think. So it's uh, yeah, you only go to eleven nowadays. You got oh, you don't get much t- chance to make a. There's no big, massive comebacks, really, is there? It's tough. You're right. That's uh, you're on the money there. A Gavlas just beat uh, Jay Valenta as well, eleven two, eleven seven, eleven five to go through to. I don't know whether it's a ne- another round or not, but uh, there is sport going on, Rob, and it's Good. in Czechoslovakia, and it is table tennis indoors with no crowd. It's a very good question. Probably not. I wouldn't have thought many people would be going to the Czech Table Tennis Star Series Open anyway. I wouldn't have thought no. so either. I'm surprised it's made global news. 
Only because I'm bringing it to you, mm. Rob. TV evangelist Kenneth Copeland, he's having a great week. Mm-hmm. So he started off the week with this. Fear of this this coronavirus is, is faith in its ability to hurt you or kill you. The, the fear of, what are we going to do? <laughs> I'm getting laid off at work. Hey, your job's not your source. If it is, you're in trouble. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> is your source. <laughs> Whatever you do right now, don't you stop tithing. Mm. Don't you stop sowing offerings. Well, they won't let us go to church. Well, email it in there, text the give or something, but you get your tithe in that church. If you have to go take it down there and drop it off and unstick it under the door or something, you get that tithe in that church. You get that offering. You get that tithe in that church. So this bloke basically is saying, even though you've been laid off, still give money to the church. This is the TV evangelist. He's got his own private jet. Yeah. Right, and he's had more plastic surgery than God knows whatever, mm. um, but absolutely full on. But unemployment's all in the mind, beefy. <laughs> Apparently so, because <laughs> your job's not your source, Rob. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is your source. Oh, that would be. Oh, imagine. What if he's ever had a job ever? That guy. No, I don't think so. All right, so then it must be exhausting though, keeping up that charade the whole time. Very true. I guess, I guess he must just go. Wonder how many days a week he has to put on his his performance because it is a performance. Oh, it's he, a, it's no, it's twenty four seven. It is twenty four seven. Nah, you get time off. <laughs> you jump and you're playing off. You go time off for good behaviour. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, but he realised after this that uh, coronavirus is uh, is pretty much uh, full on. So. Uh, mm. Here he is, trying to cure the world of coronavirus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Standing in the office of the prophet of God, I execute judgment on you, COVID-19. I execute judgment on you, Satan. You destroyer. You killer. You get out. You break your power. You get off this nation. I demand judgment on you. I demand. I demand. I demand a vaccination to come immediately. Yes. I call you done. I call you don't go on. You come down from your place of authority, destroyer. You come down and you crawl on your belly like God commanded you when he put his foot on your head in the Garden of Eden. You will destroy through COVID-19. No more. No more. No more. It no more. is finished. finished. It <laughs> is over. And the United States of America is healed <laughs> and well Thank you. again. And, uh, Beefy, what was COVID-19's response to that? Uh, we haven't quite got back... Uh, uh, no uh, comment from COVID-19 on... Not uh, quite yet. Yeah. I yeah. imagine it'll be a similar response to what God gives them on a daily basis, which is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> just unbelievable. <laughs> I love, some of the comments on Twitter have just been phenomenal. Like, he is frightening, but the virus is unaffected. <laughs> well, yeah. th- but surely, okay, say if you're someone who is a reasonably measured Christian and you've been following this bloke... Surely that would be the final straw. Sure, you go, 
okay, this guy can't just yell at a virus and it stops. Yeah. It doesn't work. You have to use medicine <laughs> and science and have an understanding of molecules. Well, he asked God for a vaccine straight away. Come on, God, mm. give me a vaccine. How He must himself surely is now aware that when he asks for things, it doesn't happen. Apart Unless his whole scheme was, I'm going to go on this mind-boggling, ludicrous charade of lies and bollocks and just ramble insane... <laughs> Horseshit yeah. for my entire career, uh, and um, I want God to give me millions of dollars for doing that, and that kind of has come true for him. What? But but uh, he knows somewhere in there it's not because of God; it's because he's just managed to sell it. He's a great salesman. I mean, if he can sell that that COVID nineteen <laughs> rambling yeah. crap to anyone, ah uh, yeah. If anyone's buying that, I mean, you got to give him some credit. That's very true. Mm. He does have this sort of 2,000-year-old uh, story of, I don't know what you call it, really. Fiction? Uh, it's a f- book. Of, it's a fable, isn't it? Yeah, I like that. Aesop's a- Fables, starring Jesus. Yeah, unbelievable. But uh, remember, Rob, even though your job's not your source, yeah. get your tithings into the church. Yeah. You can email them. Email your tithings to the church. Yeah. And just, just send a message of giving. Just do the old, what's that thing, the secret? Oh, yeah, just, just believe. Just the power of positive thinking just that believe. money will be in my bank account. It will be. I've got more faith in my seven-leg Hail Marys than that. And so you should. Because that actually is possible. At least it's actually possible. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, unbelievable. All right. Hey, this is Toddy Goldsmith, and you're listening to 365 Days of Sport. <laughs> Oh, good reverse pass, Jonathan Davis. There's that acceleration. Very, very quick. Back goes Derry White. The try is scored. Wonderful try by Davis. Can you believe it? Jonathan Davis just setting up this witness move. Witness two points behind. 12 points to 10. Got two yards from the camera line. And the six tackle. There's room all wide if Tomlinson can get it there. Curry has got him on the outside. Oh, what a head tackle. But significantly, Davis has scored. I think we should note there that Davis has scored regardless of the head tackle. Yes, it is. He's given a try. And rightly so. Well, little Jonathan Davis. He was boasting to me the other week that he was 12 stone, 8 pounds. He's put 8 pounds on. And despite that uh, nasty head-high tackle, Davis managed to get in, and that's put witness in the lead. How he scored a try from that, I'll never know. There's Kevin Ellis, Roland Phillips, fades inside for Jonathan Davis. Davis goes, Davis is surrounded, puts in the chip kick, this would be a try and a half. Jonathan Davis gets there, have another look at that, one of the tries of the season. What a pull. Gary Chambers, Jonathan Davis is going, Jonathan Davis has got his head back, Davis goes for the corner, have a look at that, what a try, what a genius. Clark, good pass to Betts, Betts to Davis, Davis, he's got some space, he's going for the corner, he's got his head back, and the Welshman is in for a magnificent try at the corner. Jonathan Davis, 
and Joe, if someone has the pace to go around this man, Brett Mullins, he is fast. Oh yeah, you've got to give him respect for that now. I mean, to take him on like he did, he knew exactly what he was doing. Mullins gets there in the end, but Davis is over the line. From Warrington, formerly from Connetley, now Great Britain. Ackerman put them onside. Holmes once again. He's got Thorburn outside him. Holmes checking into the forwards. Gives it to Evans. A drive on by Perkins. Holmes once again. Davies. Another Gary Owen. But is it too far? Martin. Oh, and he's lost it. And the try has been given. Jonathan Davies, the standoff half. And what a blow for England's fullback, Chris Martin. Well, Jonathan, it was a kick which led to your try. What do you remember about it? Was it a satisfactory kick? You know, I just put it up in the air, really. Um, hope for the best. I think it was a bad kick because it did go over the line. He was uncertain. You know, there it goes. It's a great feeling. You couldn't believe your luck, is it? No, not really. Well, your team manager down at Neath said a long time ago you'd play for Wales one day. He's been proved right. Thank you for coming to talk to us. Thank you very much. Well, Rob, mm. it is a great, great pleasure. <laughs> I think this man is one of the greatest ever rugby players, all round rugby players, we talked about this earlier, rugby union, rugby league, but absolutely brilliant. Jonathan Davis, welcome to 365 Days of Sport. Yeah, well, afternoon or is it evening over there? Yeah. Very late now, 11 o'clock. Crazy days at the moment for everyone, so yeah. uh, I hope everyone's staying safe. Oh, we're trying, we're washing our hands rigorously, John. Yeah, we all are, we all are. Well, I put together a little highlights package because uh, some of the tries that you uh, you managed to create were just absolutely phenomenal, and uh, obviously you made that switch to rugby league, but uh, people thought you were too small, and Eddie Waring even then was commenting about your 12 stone 8 demeanour after putting on some weight. Yeah, that was difficult, I think... Uh we tried to build me up a little bit, but uh, I just couldn't put any weight on it. I was like frightened to death about the game, to be honest. So uh, but eventually, I did a, I, it was odd because I had a, an off season. Um, I didn't have many off seasons really because I went to play for Great Britain and then I went to Australia. So you just played all you know all year round. So uh, it was very difficult to get a you know proper off season in. But um, I did some weights with uh, Emossi Colote on Kurt Sorensen. <laughs> Different weights, obviously, but uh, you know I, was, I trained with them. To, uh, well, no, so he's not to put about Kurt Sorensen, he was a big meat of a man, wasn't he? He didn't know any pain. No, he's a great prop forward, God. And um, again, you know, I played against uh, Mossy Coloto for, uh, you know, in, um, when we toured in 88, when he played number eight for um, Wellington, and that's where Dougie Lawton saw him. So it would tell you what, it's nice to play behind, like a, a pack that's going forward and those two in front. You know, they, they were brilliant offloaders as well. So I just uh, I just hit the hole that um, they, would, uh, they would offload. Now, John, there's been some kerfuffle down here of late. Uh, a couple of articles have come out from, uh, well, they're actually both Welshmen, Stuart Barnes, uh, English <laughs> halfback. Stuart English. <laughs> he was born in Newport, though, wasn't he? Well, he played for Welsh schools. He was a very good player in schools, and then uh, all of a sudden went to play for Bath. I think he's, Bri- he's Bristol boy, I think, so I'm not sure what happened. But, uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've, seen, I've seen the article. Well, he's, he's written an article here along with uh, uh, Stephen... Uh, uh, sorry... Steve, yeah, Stephen Jones, Jones. Yeah, they've ranked the top 10 uh, first fives of all time. Um, I don't know if you've seen the list, but you've made the top 10 in both. You came in with Stuart yeah, Barnes. Nice. He, he had you at number six, and uh, Stephen Jones had you at number three, actually. 
But there's some uh, the yeah. New, Zealand, New Zealanders weren't real through because Daniel Carter, Stephen Jones have at number ten. It's, it's hugely controversial. I just think um, <laughs> I think you've got to look at the perspective. You know, I, I you know, obviously I follow all the tens in the world, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think I fortunately play against Grand Folks, uh, Frano. Mm-hmm. Um, I played against uh, Michael Liner, uh, but also played against you know somebody like John Rutherford. Okay, mm-hmm. so. You know, I think you've got to put it into perspective. I, you know, I would have loved. I can't imagine what it'd been like to play behind an all-black pack. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, such a difference playing in the number ten position, number nine position when the pack is going forward. So, if you look at most of the Australians and New Zealanders, a lot of them would be playing behind a very dominant pack. So, uh, I think it, put, it, it just puts it all in perspective. You can't pick a player of. You know, from each, each generation as well. You know, if you look at people, ask me all the time, who's your who's the greatest player? You know, and I'm thinking, God, you know, I played against people like Michael Jones and Zin Zan, then you've got <laughs> Kerwin, then you've got Campisi, right? You know, yeah. which may be the most talented player ever. Mm-hmm. You know, Campo was. You know, and, you know, he spouts his mouth off a little, you know, a little, a little too often, and um, you know, he's very critical. But if you look at the talent that Campo had, you know, you just can't compare players from each, each generation. Mm-hmm. You've got people like Gareth Edwards, Terry Holmes, uh, Shane Williams. So it's very difficult to. Uh, so everything is all about you know your own perspective. So you know it's their it's their decision, and people are people are different. I'm just uh, very humble to be in, in both lineups. Yeah. Yeah. John, we had uh, we've had Lynn Jones on, who uh, I've known Lynn for quite a long time, and obviously you have too. And he, he always makes a comment, and you, you've summed it up perfectly. He says it's always easier to play in your toes than it is to play in your heels. So like you say, when you're going forward, you've got so many more options available to you than you would if you're going backwards. Yeah, I think and having coming from the area where I was from, you know, you, you go into schools um, and then you go and you pick for your school and you go play for your district. You know, we had only three schools in the district because we're from a rural part of the world. And then when you play against Cardiff and Swansea and Bagen when they have 20, 30 schools, you, you get used to playing on the back foot um, and then you've got to do things when the ball isn't great. So but when I went to rugby league then I played on the front foot and I found it very easy just beating defenders all the time. So you know, like someone told me before, it's, uh, you know, forwards win you games, but backs determined by how many points. So that, that seems to be the right, you know, seems to be the right analogy. John, just thinking back to that time when you did change to rugby league, I remember in, in New Zealand, it was always, when, when an All Black went to, to rugby league, it was always a quite controversial thing. There's a guy named Joe Karen back in the early 80s did the same thing. Do you remember what the response was like when you switched switched codes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll never, I'll never forget. I'm scarred for life. So, uh, it was just, you know, we went, I went, and uh, remember Mark, when I went, I think Mark Brookhoden went, uh, so did uh, John Gallagher. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Craig Innes, Craig Innes came, you know. So there was a, you know, New Zealand lost a fair bit. Mm-hmm. Timo went to New Zealand. Halligan went. Mm-hmm. Matthew Ridge went very, very early. Yeah. So Craig Innes and Frano Bonacare. Yeah, Frano went. So, uh, and I just, um, it's a big decision. You know, it's not an easy decision to make because you represent your country. Not, nothing gives me more pleasure than playing for Wales. And also, I enjoyed my club rugby because we were getting big crowds in them days. So you're playing in front of, you know, packed houses every week. And as an amateur, you just enjoyed, you know, waiting for the weekend, you know, to, to show your skills on the, on the, on the stage. So, when I did go, it was I, I told my crew shit when I was uh, when I was nineteen. 
my right knee. So I didn't know how long that would you know last. Thankfully, it lasted the end of my career. Uh, I left school very early because my dad passed away. So, um, you know, needs uh, for the family. So I thought, right, okay, this is an opportunity. Big opportunity for me to secure, you know, for my family, security for my family. But I didn't appreciate the magnitude of the, you know, of the change and what effect it would have on, on the paparazzi and the people. So the uh, first three months were very difficult because of the pressure and failing was a bigger story. Um, so I had the, the press following me for months and months just to see if oh, I could cope. So, and also it's the changes of, you know, moving up to the north of England. But whatever I've gone in, in sport, whatever I've played, you know, I'm very lucky that rugby league or union is a, is a, is a great family. So I, they, were welcome, they welcomed me everywhere. Now, you're always obviously slight, but quite quick. Obviously, rugby league being a lot more physical back then. Were you, were you worried about how you'd adapt to playing rugby league and getting smashed every week? Yeah, you know, you tend to worry about it. You know, especially when you, you know, if you look in six weeks, you could play against Inga Tugamala, Malmaninga, Kevin Iro, Gene Miles, John Devereaux, and Scott Gibbs. So, you know, it's, it is a worry when you think you're lining up, you go one on one with them. So, um, but it was just, it was just a question of, right, I'm not going to smash those boys, but I've got to drop them. So, you know, it's just a question of getting them around the ankles or, you know, forcing them on the outside or just <laughs> getting them down somehow. So I'm telling you, outside backs, don't come in because if you come in, they can offload and put someone away. So just trust in my defensive ability. You know, it'll take a lot of believing, but, uh, you know, I'll eventually get them on the floor. And also you'd have the you know, the cheap shots coming in, you know, the, the late hit from behind, the short arm. Um, you don't have much protection then. So you just sort of, you know, duck your head at appropriate times and hopefully that... You wouldn't lose your teeth, and the defender would break his arm on the top of your head. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that you have to adjust very, very quickly. John, just moving away from that for a moment, I, I happened to catch a, a clip on YouTube of you talking directly to the camera, and, and the, the caption is Jonathan Davies tells current players to man up. And you're basically giving uh, those you consider not so resilient a, a bit of a serve about not being able to take criticism well. Do you feel that that's still the case? With, well, that, uh, that was a while back. When it's I, a while back, yeah. It's that. about four or five years ago. I, I just think, you know, it's very difficult now because I don't think they can get away from it. Mm-hmm. And I think it affects them too much. And we played, I, I'm not playing a test match on a Saturday against New Zealand Rugby League. And on Sunday, I'd play against Oldham away for witness. And then I'll be back in work on Monday, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not really much time to think about your performance or yeah, yeah. You know, video analysis until a Tuesday night. Whereas now it's all changed, and I think. And also, with everything that's going on with the social media and, te- and television coverage and radio coverage, it's going to be magnified, you know, mm-hmm. 100,000 times now. So you've got, without, if you get the kind of the, the praising and the plaudits, I think you've got to accept um, a little bit of uh, a criticism as well because and the one thing I've learned is not saying it to make it personal but mm. if you've had a, someone's had a bad game you're going to have a bad game you know I, mm. I was criticised by the likes of Barry John and, and Phil Bennett and when I went to rugby league by everyone because you know they said I couldn't tackle then you go to Australia and people are criticising until you prove you were so it's just a question of saying look this is it comes with the territory it's not personal so don't worry about it and I think that that's what I'm trying to do is also is look you've got to try and do something else if you can you know, get a job or a part time job or a career that runs I know it's very difficult but parallel to your have an interest that runs parallel to your rugby because unless you think and get away from what you're doing you know it's it's not it's not healthy so um i just think it's a balance a life balance so 
you've got to cop it on the chin sometimes, you know, um, and that's what, that's what comes with with the territory. Now, John, I mean, you uh, you played both codes of uh, rugby. We, me and Rob were talking earlier about the players that uh, may be able to switch, and it, I reckon it's harder now for either way to go. Backs, I can I, I can guess, could do it to the drop of the hat, but forwards, they're two very different games, and Rugby Union has just developed. It's so quicker. It's so much more and more heavy impact at the at the breakdown. I'm not sure where the forwards can can make that switch anymore. I'm not sure. Um, I think it's not the, the the brutality and the physicality of it for the forward. I think it's the technical um, side of the union. You know, when do you go in? When do you come out of a ruck? When do you stay out? Also, as a back, you know, when I went rugby league, when I was playing full back, first time I had the ball from someone kicked through, I'd, I'd, I'd look up and go, oh, and the whack is 60 yards into touch. You're thinking, oh, Jesus, I'm in the wrong game. Yeah, you got to take it back. And then there's a big line of defenders I wouldn't smash your face in. So it, it's the technical thing that I think is the difficult thing and going from league to union I agree with you it's far more technical the decision making is far more crucial with turnovers you know being offside and being caught in the in, on the wrong side of a record of all so I, I agree I don't think the physicality because they're all doing you know huge weights now so if you look at uh, I'm trying to think now who would Paul Scullstop you know when I played or Bradley Clyde you know they wouldn't have had yeah. any problem coping so uh, Mark Graham would have been another one or um, someone like that and then if Mal Meninga went the other way in the centre you know he wouldn't have any issues <laughs> whatsoever yeah. I don't think that when they when they buy people either way they don't manage them properly mm-hmm. that's, I think that's been my biggest criticism is managing the player because I think if you're going to do it the two hardest positions would be 9 and 10 and 6 and 7 in rugby league because you're, all, you're trying to orchestrate the side and if you haven't come from that particular background your instinct is different so it'll be very difficult to make the right decisions at the right time, especially as you go up representative levels. The decision making is far more crucial. Um, you know the higher quality you go. So I still think you know the back rowers might do it, or but there are players who are capable of doing it. But the technical side of rugby union is the difficult part to grasp. Well, it's interesting as well because obviously two of the up and coming coaches at the minute in rugby union are obviously ex rugby league with Andy Fell and, and Sean off the back of uh, his career with Wales. Well, they've both done exceptionally well. You know the. the, the the flat guy cop when I went there had been called a Judas and a turncoat and then when I came back to the union I thought what's happened here they're all back they're all back they're all, they've all turned the other court so I did a, a job with um, Michael Checker over the Six Nations and uh, you know he was looking at helping out the roosters doing um, you know some attacking drills which I thought was brilliant because I think if, you, if, you, if you've got you know overlap both codes you have a different insight into maybe only sticking in one code and you've got things to offer so it was very kind of uh, interesting didn't listen to Michael Checker and I was going to go and watch him train what he was doing but he actually said oh why didn't you do a stint in Australia you know on the television down there which if an opportunity came you know, I'd love to do maybe a stint doing rugby union or rugby league in uh, in Australia but uh, someone asked me oh, would you go back into coaching I, I, I wouldn't mind doing coaching but only on a technical ad- advising capacity because you know I'm not my ego isn't big enough to go yeah I can do that I can do this I can do that I, and the one thing I do want to do it because you're a you know DOR of rugby is 24/7 and I do want to be into rugby 24 you know 24/7. I've never done it full time. Mm. Only when I was lived in Australia, when I played for the Bulldogs and when I played for the Cowboys. Mm. Apart from that, I've always worked um, around my rugby career, and I you know I think it's a, a life balance. 
It's interesting you uh, you just mentioned about Checker and bringing in some rugby league guys. At the World Cup, Eddie Jones actually brought in an Aussie rules coach to help him out in uh, Neil Craig. Yeah, well, I don't know. What, was he, what did he come in to help him out as? I think it was... The only thing I can imagine is it must be a kicking game, was it? No, I think it was actually to do with preparation and recovery and mental state and a little bit of tactical awareness and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm not quite sure, but obviously Eddie Jones is, it must have worked with him previously and uh, must kind of treasure his insight. Yeah, didn't he, didn't he get Ricky Stewart in as well? Uh, he, he was asking to. I don't know if, if Ricky Stewart yeah, actually know, went yeah. in the end. No, because Checker had a go in, didn't he? You know, to say, oh, yeah, you know, what's he doing? Th- that's that exactly goal? right, I just, yeah. I just think, when you get to that level, it's psychological as well. Mm. So it's the top two inches that is crucial. You know, and I thought England lost the World Cup because I thought I felt they played the wrong game against South Africa in the final. They tried yeah. to play too much football early doors instead of playing like the game of chess and, and kicking behind them and waiting for the opportunity. Because, they, you know, they fired Mr. Penalty but in the 60-odd minute to, to take to make them go level. So And then they scored two amazing tries. So, you know, it's not a much difference between all of the sides in the in the World Cup. And uh, maybe it's just that you know, top two inches that would have made a difference coming in and having a chat and just talking individually to players and what they need and what they think and what they stress about in particular areas of the match. So, um, you know, if it if it helps, you know, a couple, you know, one percent and helps them to win the World Cup, it's worth every penny. Well, talking about winning the World Cup, JD, um, of our boys, are we going to see it in our lifetime? Put it like this, right? We the one record I want broken is the fact that we came third in 87 right and we were miles off winning that World Cup because New Zealand were, were so good but now I think we've kind of become closer um, I think the big opportunity was 2011 when oh, no, don't tell me don't tell me so, <laughs> week know, in I, know, I do I this show with Rob every week and I keep I know, telling him about 2011 and he doesn't believe I me know. and, it, and it's, it's odd because if you look at it when you have Steve Donner because he was fishing somewhere wasn't he so you could see what condition they were in they were broken and Richie McCall won that final for them right I think if Wales had got to that final I think they could have beaten New Zealand the one side he didn't want in the final that day was France, France, because when you thought they had a chance, they blew it. Yeah. When they don't think they've got no chance, they beat all the All Blacks. So mm-hmm. then, so that was one opportunity. I thought that we had, um, we could have. That was the best one for us. I think mm-hmm. we've gone close in two semi-finals, but unfortunately, I think we didn't have the balance um, to win. You know those those games. We ne- we were a bit one-dimensional under Gatlin. That's the only thing they tried to change it, but I don't think we changed it quickly enough. You know for the World Cups. But you never know. We've, you know we've we've got a lot closer since I was playing. So who knows? Look, you know, who'd have thought about these days? You now with coronavirus, you know what's on the corner. So yeah, I wouldn't say never. No, that's exactly. Now you and me have uh, something in common. Your your scrum half at Trim Saren Junior School. I used to live with in uh, in Texas at the University of North Texas, Mister Philip Gravel. I told him I'd give him a shout out. <laughs> Yeah, Grav, yeah. So I live I live now in Mumbers, which is like for people in Australia it's uh, it's on the coast in Langland on the Goa Peninsula. If you look at it it's called uh Casual Beach and uh Rossilli Beach in Langland. So um he played Osara for Mumbers and now they have all these stories and he's a very talented player, but you know, he, he couldn't tackle anything. He was a pretty <laughs> boy, so um 
he lived on the top of the mountain in Samsara, which is where the posh people lived. So I lived in the council estate, and he was always the, you know, he was a nice softy on top of the hill. So uh, no, he was a very talented, talented guy. Phil was, and uh, and also he was a, he was a very good cricketer. And, and Martin, Martin was brother, a cricketer, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was, I think, he was very unlucky. You know, he could have played for Wales, maybe well, for back. Well, he, he, he got angles. he got picked in the for Wales, and he got frozen off against Ireland. That was his when he got picked in the team. He never made the side again. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, it's, uh, unfortunate, but they're, they're good. They're good families, yeah. and uh, his mum used to teach us in the primary school, and and I, you know, Shana's sister, you know, is a lot older than us, so we had a bit of a crush on her as well. So, well, she was a teacher as well, <laughs> wasn't she? <laughs> yeah, she's still teaching now. So, oh, I see. Yeah, I, I, I think her claim to fame is apart from obviously possibly even teaching you was uh, Atrium Steps was in uh, was in her class. Was he? <laughs> oh, there we are. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She must be teaching on Bajandir, you know, then, because I think that's where he lives, H. Oh. Sure. I thought he was in Burryport, so, but that's all right. Oh, sorry to bring the, make it uh, just a personal maybe, chat. Maybe. Uh, I'm, not in, I'm not a big Steps fan, I'm afraid. So. <laughs> I don't think anyone is still, possibly, apart from <laughs> Faye Tozer. No. That was the only one, wasn't it? I know. So, so what's, I, I asked a, ask a question. Because uh, you hear the stories of uh, NRL uh, talking about players' cuts and issues, uh, and then the, also that the, the Australian Rugby Union is in, in financial problems, are they? Yeah, well, the problem is that the TV deals, the TV companies don't want to pay the money because obviously there's no sport to show. So the clubs, you know, it's not like the uh, EPL where they've got um, sinking funds or anything. They they run on a year-to-year basis. So the players have basically been asked to cut pay cuts just to make sure the club survives because they've got no other form of income. So the sponsors aren't going to pay. Uh, there's no fans. There's no uh, gate money. And now the TV companies don't want to pay as well so they've literally got no income so and obviously it's the start of the season yeah. in april whereas obviously football and winter sports back home you know they're three quarters of the way through the season so they've got most of their income anyway um so the problem is there is no residual income for three of the major codes here um yeah. so there's a lot of the clubs as well have stood down all their staff and obviously to run a professional club with you know 40 50 well, all the players. leagues clubs yeah the leagues clubs as well you know they mm. make the money for them i suppose they're not taking over as well well no they're all closed as well we're on total yeah. we're kind of on total shutdown over here so it's uh panic stations a little bit but yeah it's yeah i think it's similar over here i think you know I, i'm not sure you know financially sound they were the region yeah. in wales and a lot of my benefactors and uh, it's it's a very similar situation no television no games no um, sponsors so it's um it's a very very difficult time for sports mm. but also i I think people will then maybe appreciate sport as well because they're not turning sport on and watching sport. Maybe you took it. Maybe people took it for granted. But now you see how important it is to a to a lot of people. Yeah. Well, JD, I've been uh, I've been foraging around. I am the world's biggest sports fan, and I've only found the Czech table tennis league, the Belarusian Premier League soccer, and there's a handball league that's still going somewhere. But that's about it. That's the only live sport we're going to get. <laughs> Mad, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. That's oh, that gives you plenty I'm of time. Fed, and, I'm fed, and I'm fed up of WhatsApp as well. I've had everything on WhatsApp. <laughs> I got so many mail groups. I'm thinking, and I, the trouble is, I got one with Andrew Mert, then Christian Cullen, Timmy Horan, Georgie Gregan, Victor Matfield, Brian O'Driscoll. We're all on it. So. It's twenty four seven because of the time difference. Yeah. There's a pain <laughs> in the backside sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate! Well, we can't thank you enough because it's very hard doing a sports show when there's absolutely no sport to talk about. One of the betting agencies here <laughs> is betting on the weather. That's how uh, that's how desperate they are to get some money in. Um, well, so in, in Melbourne, it's got to be nice, isn't it? Every day, isn't it? end of summer for you? Uh, we're coming into winter now, obviously, so... Uh, Up in winter, yeah, the struggle, yeah. Yeah. Uh, awesome, so... 
So I think it was yeah, about we 25 today, so it wasn't too bad. It's, uh, with us, it's 10. <laughs> it's nice and sunny. Beautiful. You'd be uh, down the mumbles having a swim. Well, ever, no, no, you can't swim anymore. They said you can't swim. I, I actually bought a wetsuit now, a full body wetsuit, and they told me, every time you buy a wetsuit, you go, oh, you're going to start doing triathlons. I said, no, I'm just going for a swim in the sea, thank you very much. <laughs> so, uh, I was last, the first time I went for a swim, I was swimming about, and all of a sudden, I spoke this thing about 10 yards away. It's a massive seal swimming oh. next door to me. I nearly filled my wetsuit, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, if that doesn't keep you busy during lockdown, I don't know what will. Mm. It's, uh... I can just watch some replays of the 2011 World Cup. Oh. <laughs> I know. I, have, I, I, don't watch, I don't watch replays. Don't every worry. week. Uh, I get it every week, Yeah, I, yeah I know. I know. <laughs> so uh, it was um, one of those things. So that's one thing with um, me and my wife coming back to Australia and New Zealand. I haven't been there now. Uh, I came back in Australia in 2013. I don't think I've been to New Zealand since uh, 19- Nineteen ninety. Whoa. Okay. So I know I have. Uh, I might do. Uh, I might try and get some work done when everything starts up again, and then yeah. uh, spend a little bit of time down there. So I do enjoy the, the sport down there, the league and the union. So yeah. I enjoy. I, I actually enjoy visiting both countries. You know, it's, but I'd love to come and see it maybe as well when it's nicer weather. Definitely. Yeah. Now That's bring the right. bring the wife, bring the kids, and uh, come down. And uh, you're a very much loved uh, figure down here. And uh, obviously, your time with uh, Canterbury and the North Queensland. Cowboys up there. You're still referred to uh, yeah. as one of the originals up there. When you uh, Kevin yeah. Ellis came out as well, didn't he? At the same time, he did. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There we go. What a chat! I, what I, a chat! I started to freak out with all the. We started mentioning all the All Blacks, like Michael Jones, and all this sort of like. <laughs> The other thing, yeah. I completely forgot he played for Canterbury Bulldogs because before the Warriors came, that yeah, was yeah. my team. Ah, oh, right. And I, I completely forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's very hard doing a sports show without sport, but uh, <laughs> very, very great. And it's such a humble guy as well. Well, he spent half an hour with us, Rob. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, crazy. So we played the first song that came to his head. It just so happened to be. It was the worst song in the world. It was the worst song in the world. Listen to the song and it's clear of all. Because the words don't fit and the song is shit You're a talentless kid You suck! I did uh, mention earlier that we uh, worst song in the world was going to Belarus it's being broadcast. It's it's from Belarus. Uh, the song is definitely from uh, Belarus, and it's is it in English? Uh, half and half. What do they speak there? Belarusian. But is it, is it? <laughs> that's that's what they speak. Actually, <laughs> Belarusian. I'm really sorry, Rob, but they probably do speak Russian. I'm not 100 percent sure. Right. Um, we're going to FC Islok, which mm-hmm. is it's actually in Minsk. Uh, they do share the stadium with uh, FC Minsk at FC Minsk Stadium. Mm-hmm. But they're going quite well in the old Belarusian Premier League so far. They only formed in 2007 as an amateur club. So they got promoted to the Belarusian Premier League in 2015. So they're quite new. Yep. Got a big wolf as their badge as well. So it's pretty cool. But I've been following FC Islock uh, on their new Twitter feed because mm. they have just gained a whole host of British fans. Because it's the only league you can now f- watch football on. Right. And so FC Islock, uh, they're the, uh, tweeting reasons to make FC Islock your Belarusian team. Number one, we have an accordion. Number two, the second reason to make us your Belarusian team, our mascot plays the accordion. Right. I'm, and he's, I'm, and he's I'm, a wolf. I'm getting a theme here already, yeah. beefy. Well, guess I, what? I quite like accordions. Oh yeah, so, okay. I, uh, you know this is the best thing I've heard to come out of Belarus thus far. Well, this could be the third thing to oh, to gosh. come out of Belarus. Good thing is coming threes, beefy. The best thing is this is an anti-COVID nineteen song. 
Wow. Done by the superfan of FC Islock. Uh, I can't remember. Do what you think it'll be as effective as that American preacher? <laughs> as Kenneth, Kenneth Copeland. <laughs> yeah. The scam, scamvangelist as mm. I looked him up. Yeah. But it's a, uh, certainly a spiritual solution. Uh, this guy is the superfan. I can't think of his name. But anyway, do you want to hear this song? It's brilliant. I can't wait. It's, yeah. it's, you, can, you can already guess. So, so what's the club again? FC Islock. FC Islock. And this is their song. Is this the coronavirus song? Anti-COVID song, it's called, by FC Islock. That's and the title? Yeah, and it's accordion-based. Okay. Нам не нужен ты коронавирус, Оставайся ты в чужом краю. Только Ислакш, только Перамоа, Вперед волки за победою. We don't need now your corona type. We don't want now us to stay home. Only Ислакш, Беларусь style. Only Ислакш, never want to go. go anti-corona song see now i'm sold yes see because i was very anti-belarus oh yeah with the dictator oh yeah of course earlier on but now they've had the accordion in the song um they're starting ticks and boxes they've got a like a balalaika as well in the video which is quite it's very much like the gws sort of vibe it's it's a it's a russian polka yeah you're right Uh, blatantly valery kolonta he's called uh with his bayan which is his accordion he is the best fan of fc islock for years it says (laughs) uh he is musician (laughs) not the not the was he the best fan i'm just reading off the uh twitter he doesn't mean the biggest fan no the best fan 
He's actually the best. The best fan of F.D. Islock for years. That's what it says. Uh, he is musician and ex-history school teacher. He taught current manager of Islock, by the way. Both on the photo. So, uh, yeah, it's going off F.D. Islock. They are joint top of the league after two 1-0 wins Brilliant. this season. So. Well done. Well, look, I, I would like a Google Translate on the lyrics well, of the whole tune. weirdly enough, oh, because this is only, this mm. got released yesterday, a day before, so okay. there are people out there looking for the translation, but what they thought was a kind of a Russian twist to this is actually spot on, 100% Belarusian. So the it's Google struggling. Google Translate's not quite happening. Uh, Do I they believe. have like those weird hieroglyphs and all that? Yeah, upside down letters yeah, and all that down. rubbish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty ease. sure it is. Uh, it is kind of Russian mm-hmm. language or Russian letters. But um, I'm going to put the video up on our Facebook page because it is an absolute mm. belter. And the best thing about it, this is actually from FC Islock as well. It's yeah. not like somebody that's just mm. a fan and I'm FCF. No, this is the club are well behind this. Um, I'm excited. I think it's a tremendous initiative. Yeah, and they've obviously really bound together to try mm. and fight the devilish Corona. COVID-19. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> and and a very worthy candidate for worst, worst song well, but on the one of the best worst songs, I think. It's very good. Yeah. Some of the tweets... Could even this... sneak into the top 10, that one, I oh, reckon. Oh, hello. Some of the tweets to uh, to this account, because the, the UK mm. is bereft of football, and people are going nuts. Johnny Hibbard has gone, you know you've been watching too much Belarusian football, when for a second you misread Locke. On the salmon you bought from Sainsbury's is Islock. <laughs> so, uh, absolutely f- full on. Um, they're going to show the uh, is- is- Islock Sluts game mm. on Monday Night mm-hmm. Football. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's pretty full on. Interesting. Yeah. So, it's going off. The Islock Sluts. Uh, is it S L A T Z? S L U T S K. Slutsk. Oh, gosh. It says Islock versus Slutsk is better Super Sunday than Burnley versus Norwich ever could be. Mm. So it's going off over there. Brilliant. Um, just uh, as an aside, the Belarus Football Federation has signed broadcasting deals in 10 countries, which is going up every hour to show the Belarusian Premier League because it's the only active football league left during the coronavirus pandemic. It is going well, maybe crazy. Maybe this crazy dictator was onto something. Just tell people it's not happening. Ma- ma- <laughs> But they got 152 oh. cases, so that's going to be in a week. That's going to be 2,000. You've never, you never. And guessed. then if they haven't done anything by then, yeah. it's going to be another Italy. You never guess what's just happened on Twitter. What's that? FCS Lock just started following 365 days of sport. <laughs> <laughs> I did follow them, and then they've followed me back. So uh, absolutely great. Wow, they're, they're taking the world by storm. Clearly, oh, that's fantastic. What, a, what an absolute. So we, we, I mean, we've got to keep tabs on the Belarusian Premier League because we're stretching all. Over the, it's a global show. It's gonna, it is global. I'll tell you what, we should do next week. We should get on somebody from FC Islock if they can speak English. Yeah. Or get a representative to chat to us about how the impact of Islock on the UK. Well, um, we need to keep up with the sports news for no other reason than to report the sports news. Yeah. Bit of a surprise, actually. There's a guy called Richard Parks is going to come on next week who is just this uh, multi adventurer. Um, he's done all seven continents. Uh, just crazy. So, Rich is coming on next week to have a chat about his uh, adventuring career and everything else. He's just okay. a Phenomenal man. Mm-hmm. Um, another Welshman, by the way, Rob. Right. Played rugby for Wales. Actually quit rugby at like 24. How can there be this many Welshmen around? I know them all. There's only five of us, so I'm, I'll, we'll go in rotation all okay. the way through. 
Anyway, hey. Rob, are you going to bet on the weather? Have you uh, you been eyeing up the weather? I've already given you my multi. Did <laughs> you give me the odds? Well, it'll be a dollar eighty-five times dollar eighty-five times dollar eighty-five. So, but if I do that on Labrooks boosted, then boosted. I'll get about, I'm not yeah, sure you yeah. can do it on Labrooks. So I think it's a oh, sports another, no, it's a sports bet. They'll, they'll say three three ninety times. Not sure you can. Uh, so say that's that. going to be about six dollars. It's going to come in about seven fifty. Mm. Three league multi. Good yeah. stuff. Uh, driver stopped on M6 lockdown trip with wife in boot. Uh, ah. a, a driver flouted the coronavirus lockdown to pick up £15 worth of windows with his wife in the boot of the car. The man who bought the windows on eBay was stopped by police on the M6 on Sunday after collecting his purchase in Salford. Police said his wife had to sit in the boot as she could not fit in the vehicle for the return journey to Coventry. Uh, is, this, is, this a, is this a sedan boot or like a wagon boot? Um, good question. Because I mean, if it's a sedan boot, then I've got some. That, that's yeah. not going to be a good look at all. Terrible look. I'm thinking it is a sedan. Yeah. Police said his wife had to sit in a boot, as she could not fit in the vehicle for the return journey to Coventry. Uh, Northwest Motorways Police issued the man with a traffic offence report. After the t- force tweeted news of the 220 mile trip, people reacted to a mixture of shock and disbelief. Mm. Uh, Anthony Collier, don't know who he is. I am amazed at how many people are still making unnecessary journeys. Johnny Evans quipped, "Maybe." He saw a window of opportunity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the government has actually banned all non-essential travel amidst the uh, coronavirus pandemic, and roadblocks have been set up in some parts of the country with police stopping drivers to check their journeys are for essential purposes. Obviously, to pick up windows that you bought on eBay probably isn't. Not as well, unless they don't have any windows. <laughs> yeah, then then they probably need some windows. Yeah, but you you probably go and get a glazier in. You, well, maybe he's handy. Maybe he is, Andy. Perhaps he is a ha- glazier. Have you ever done the ride in the boot before? Yes. Yeah, I've done it a couple of times. Taxis in Newport used to be very, uh, very... Lenient. Yes. Customer um, service plus. Yeah. They, How uh, could, could you fit in a boot? Ah, oh, it was a big boot. Yeah. Um, I don't, again, not a station wagon. A, no. a, a closed... Yeah, this was a closed one. This yeah. is... Um, yeah, it would have been a Cavalier or something back yeah. then. Yeah. yeah, only once. And you have to remember... Britain, if you're taking a taxi to the pub and there's five of you in the, and you know, mm. it's not that far. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. It's yeah. five minutes, ten minutes at the most. So it's not exactly Newport to London or something like that. Yeah, it's, sure. uh, yeah, yeah. it's pretty short journeys. Yeah. So that makes it fine. Yeah, it's fine. I have no problem with it. Don't write it off, people, the idea of that. <laughs> well, especially now. But I'll leave it in your own capable hands to make the right decision. I love that advice, Rob. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Rob, rest of the week, what's uh, happening for you? Well, f- f- before we get on with the rest of the week, oh, you know sorry. it's April Fool's Day tomorrow. Before. Oh, is it? There is going to... Well, that, that's and, come up quick, isn't that, it? Well, that's, that's uh, roughly eight minutes away. So, um... Uh, I foresee with this coronavirus stuff, someone's going to do a disastrous oh. blowout gag. Okay. Someone has to do it. Take us through some highlights. In some the highlights of yep. April Fool's Day pranks that went wrong. Okay. I'll read, this is my favourite one. Go on then. It simply reads, Waitress was promised a car so she gets a car. Oh. This is This is at Hooters. <laughs> Jody Berry, a 27-year-old Hooters server in Florida, had every reason to believe she won a car in 2001. Yeah. The restaurant owners held a contest for their staff, offering a new Toyota <laughs> uh, to the server who sold the most beer. Um, but when the moment of truth came for Berry, and she was blindfolded and taken to a parking lot to receive her prize, she was actually given a Yoda doll. It gets in terms of like a toy Yoda. Oh, God. Yoda from Star toy Wars. Yoda. A yeah. toy Yoda. See? 
Not like Yoda from Star Wars. Yeah, Toyota. As opposed to Toyota. So there's a very clever sort of pun there. The whole contest was supposed to be an April Fool's Day joke, but Barry was not amused. No, I wouldn't be. Uh, She hired a lawyer and successfully sued the restaurant for damages. For a car. Uh, Because all she wanted, her lawyer explained, was enough money so she could pick out whatever type of Toyota she wanted. (laughs) And that's exactly what she got. Oh, nice. That is April Fool's pranks gone well, wrong. That is an uh, that annoys me because yeah. that, that's actually quite a good gag. A Toyota. Oh yeah. It's, I wonder if they put it in writing though, or they just said it. There has to be something, or they have to have said car or automobile or something yeah. to imply. Because mm. she could have just heard it wrong. She could have. But that's not. I mean, there's other ones where people like some guy like he um. Hang, Give us another one. He, 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 there's some guy like trying to hang himself. What? As a joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a joke. Yeah. The, the headline simply reads. Oh, the old suicide gag. (laughs) And it's just got a picture of a noose. Nothing says gotcha like a faux suicide. Um. Randy Wood from New York State (laughs) thought... (laughs) Randy Wood! Randy Wood from New York State thought he'd have some fun with his ex-wife in 2004 when he staged an elaborate front yard tableau uh, where it would appear that he was hanging from a noose when in actuality he was safely attached to a harness. Hmm. No harm, no foul, right? Well, shockingly enough, it turns out his ex-wife didn't immediately think, oh, wait, isn't it April 1st? (laughs) No, (laughs) maybe maybe I'm being fooled. Uh, She did what any reasonable person would do. She called 911, who sent over ambulances and fire trucks and police cars. Randy's prank was discovered, and he ended the night in a jail cell. Don't hang yourself for a joke. Don't do it for a joke. They'll send you to jail. Yeah. Anyone who... Anyone who's stupid enough... (laughs) To do a death prank. Yeah. Oh, you thought I was dead? I'm not. <laughs> Look, I'm not dead, but you thought I was. Hi, I'm Randy Wood. It's like, who was that? Who was that? Some Somehow a rumour got out that Brendan McCullum's brother died. Remember? Oh, yeah. Nathan McCullum. Yeah, 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 remember that. And it got to Brendan McCullum, yeah. and he heard the news right before he had to board a flight from India back to New Zealand. That's right. And yeah. so he boarded the flight devastated, and no one could contact him to tell him that was it was on the flight. Untrue. Yeah. So he had nine hours of flight pain or longer 11 hours that was a weird one that one wasn't it I don't how does that happen no. it's like two idiots were sitting around testing to see what they could do if they could start a rumour and that's what happened hmm. the best prank gone wrong though is one of the very early episodes of The Bachelorette so this is in, this is this is, this is before these, these things were like everywhere and in about the second or first second season of The Bachelorette so what they would do is take one of the women that lost in The Bachelor and she would be the one that they were trying to pursue they set up for a, a activity the men had to try and roast the girl like oh. do a roast like a comedy roast yeah 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 and these guys stand up, and she wasn't a, a, a big-breasted woman. And most of them just made fun of her for not for having small tits and went mental. And she was okay with that. She thought it was hilarious. And then someone made fun of her for only being the runner-up of the previous time. <laughs> and she lost it and started bawling and walked out this thing. Mm. Like, And this guy was, like, looking pretty good to take it out, and she kicked him off the show. Oh, okay. Because she was offended for mocking her for not winning The Last Bachelor. That's a backfire, Beefy. Not an April Fool's Day prank, <laughs> but a tremendous backfire. There we go. You Got didn't it. catch that episode. Yeah, I must have missed that one. I tell you what I'm excited about, though, Rob. Master Chef. Well, they got the new judges. Great. Well, maybe you can bet on that. Maybe. I That's might... the closest thing you've got to sport right now. Cheese sandwich. 
In fact, how are they allowed to do that? Are they going to have separate booths? Uh, they're going to be all two and a half metres apart, I guess. That's a good question, eh, Rob? I think we but should they're, ban... they're indoors. Yeah, ban, ban, ban MasterChef. Ban MasterChef. Cancel MasterChef. Yeah. Ban all fun. It's ban not, all ban not, all crap. Clearly it's not fun, is it? So anything we don't like, you can, it's a very good reason to have a ban. You know it's going to be rubbish because they've got an add-on in every ad break, so you know it's crap. If you're advertising it that much, you know it's bad. That's my coefficient of badness, Rob. Well, they've got to make up. They've, they've taken a big punt because the Columbaris and <sighs> what, what's your mate? Uh, not pr- the Preston, the one, Gary. You, Gary. You, you've met him, haven't you? I have met him, yeah. It was a great laugh, wasn't he? Oh, it was hilarious. He, he had heaps of gags. Lo- loads of gags. Yeah, Just, yeah. All he wanted to do was try and sell a book. <laughs> That's all he wanted to do. Just buy my book, Penguin. Buy my book. He's like five foot two as well. Is he? He's tiny. Well, because um, Preston's only my height. I was beyond, no, height, he's basically. yeah. Well, we are over six foot though. He's, yeah. he's a big bloke. I was, but um, he looks like a giant. He on is. That. A, yeah, he does. Oh, compared to I've met Colin Barris as well. At uh, yeah. he was uh, at a football match at uh, mm. Epping Brunswick Zebras or something. Yeah. And he's like five foot two as well. Yeah. And then you've got Matt Preston, who's probably six two. Yeah, he towers over the other two. And yeah, yeah. Well, I was behind. Uh, Preston was getting on a Jetstar flight, unbelievably. Right. And I was behind him through security, and he was wearing this like Rupert the Bear black and. Uh, yellow check suit right and he, he had the cravat on on a Sunday night it was like it's not very subtle is it nah you remember who the most famous person was we saw on a Jetstar flight yeah Kate, from Sid- Kate Blanchett from Sydney to Avalon to Avalon of all places Kate Blanchett clearly going to Apollo Bay or something down that way or yeah maybe something like that yeah. with her four kids uh, yeah, one of which it. was in one of those carrier things uh, she didn't carry the baby though did she yeah Oh, she, I she the, had one I thought, of those carrier things. I thought the husband things. was carrying it. Nah. Oh, yeah. Kate Blanchett was on a Jetstar flight with me and Rob. That's a tough lady. Yeah. That's a Not wrap. much. It is a wrap. It's 12 o'clock and we've got stuff to do. Anyway, it is. Uh, we've got to thank Jack Link's beef jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. It's the food of astronauts, Rob. The food of astronauts. Hope you're getting your Jack Links in ya whilst you're working hard. This has been, how many now? 153. Yes. Episode 153 of The Greatest. That's a significant number for 153, isn't it? It's a prime number. I can tell you that. Is that what it is? Probably. I thought so. Okay. I'm glad you knew. Mm. Right. This has been The Greatest Sports Radio Show on the planet. We'll see you next week.